it's never been talked about and i don't i've never explained it to anyone else or talked about it besides you like outside of my family this is 24 year old jason gilbride so we were at the holiday inn and i remember going across the street to uh the funeral home you know normal like wake hours like 5 five thirty. And then uh, they were walking us through before everybody got there. So it was like one last like private moment, I guess. You know, being a little kid, I just walk around. And then I guess I walked through the wrong door. And I looked to my left. And then there was the casket open. And I mean, I just freaked out. I wouldn't go back in. Four-year-old Jason runs out of the funeral home, followed by his grieving grandfather, Jack Gilbride. We were both out on the front steps of the funeral home. And he was like hugging me tight. He just said he wanted to protect me. Jack's arms are wrapped tightly around Jason, but his eyes are intently fixed on the road in front of the funeral home, scanning over to the parking lot, back and forth, back and forth. Because at that point, we were out in the open. No one else was out there. He thought maybe they would come and try to shoot. Jack Gilbride is worried about a gunman, and for good reason. The man in the casket is 34-year-old John Gilbride, his son, and Jason's uncle. And just days ago, John was shot and killed and the murderer is still out there. I am Beth McNamara, and this is the investigative podcast, Murder at Ryan's Run, a multi-part series about the 2002 unsolved murder of John Gilbride. I am a veteran television producer from Los Angeles, and it is my business and my personality to find interesting stories to tell. More than two years ago, my friend Bob told me a story from his hometown of Philadelphia that I knew nothing about a 1985 story about a bombing in a residential neighborhood. A bombing that involved the Philadelphia Police Department and a revolutionary group known as MOVE. I was hooked immediately, wanting to know everything, and this led Bob and myself to the 2002 unsolved murder of John Gilbride, and then to the decision to make this investigative podcast series. With 3,000 miles between us and a raging global pandemic hindering travel, Bob and I took an approach similar to the subjects featured in the documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. We have spent thousands of hours researching this case, trying to figure out who could have murdered John Gilbride in 2002 and why. I will be your host for this podcast journey, and I'm going to start on October 4th, 2002, the day of John Gilbride's wake that was held in the suburb of Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is just 20 minutes away from the city of Philadelphia. It is just after 6 p.m., and the sun is beginning to disappear into the horizon as people arrive for the viewing hours. Like, we realized what John meant to people, because U.S. Air had busloads of people coming in who wanted to pay respect. This is Alicia Gilbride, mother of Jason and sister of murder victim John Gilbride. She says that because of the number of people that the funeral director flat out asked her, was your brother someone famous? Is it a baseball player or something? Because buses were coming in constantly. The late John Gilbride is not famous. In fact, he was a very quiet, unassuming, regular guy. He worked as a baggage supervisor at U.S. Air at the Philadelphia International Airport. All of the people here are John's co-workers and friends, like Gunny, who knew John for 10 years. Everybody spent time and everybody talked about uh, their relationships with John. People spoke about their feelings about him. Super nice guy, very quiet, very unassuming, and I respected him. A murder is not a death you expect. And back in 2002, information does not spread like it does today. So a lot of John's childhood friends did not even hear about his death in time to know about the wake. This is Jim, who grew up with John in Delran, New Jersey. Beth, finally the face behind the voice. The face behind the voice. 
It is a warm, muggy Friday in June, and we are in the empty parking lot of Delren High School. This is Bob. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Hi. What's up? Jim has not met Bob and I here alone. He has invited along two other guys who knew John. How you doing? So nice to meet you. Let's go sit at a picnic table. I'll set up some microphones. So what class, what year did you guys graduate? 86. Okay. And how long did you each know John? I've known John, well, we've all known John since what, first grade? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could find three people who knew me since first grade, let alone get them to come out and speak on a podcast about me. My name's John. Uh, I went to school with John Gilbride. My name is Jim. I went to school with John Gilbride. (laughs) I feel like this is it. To tell the truth. (laughs) My name is Sean, and I went to school with John Gilbride. These three guys are all 53 years old, but as they flip through their yearbook that I asked them to bring, it's like they're 18 again. There's Sean. (laughs) Weren't you the school president this year, Sean? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that's what we were getting today. School president? No. You had a mustache. Yeah. Gilbride had a mustache most of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had that in sixth grade, didn't he? Yeah, so I was going to sling the job, right? I was surprised. Of all the three guys, Sean was the closest to John Gilbride, and for the longest. As they continue flipping through the yearbook, the reality that 35 years has gone by starts to hit them, because many classmates are no longer alive. Frank's dead. Julia's dead. Oh yeah, there's John right there. The yearbook is now open to John Gilbride's senior picture. And Jim is reading John's caption underneath, starting with future plans. College, being rich. For likes, John wrote this. Atlantic City, money, Ronald Reagan, Cadillacs. John's final like was Philly, as in Philadelphia. John's dislikes were dull towns, the Celtics, and rock music. According to Sean, John really loved rap music. The Run DMC, he loved the track suits and the... The hat was trying to learn to break dance and, you know, in his garage on a piece of cardboard. Uh, he was he did his own thing. And, and not not that that was the, that was the popular thing to do around here. But, you know, John, John was his own man. and He was a good he was a good guy. If John was here right now, he'd be real quiet until he felt comfortable with you. And then he would open up. I always love what, <laughs> I always love what he would tell you. That looked like he was giving you the serious look, but he couldn't hold back the smile. <laughs> Five that was, ear, 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 that was the yeah, he would throw, throw that serious stare yeah, yeah. at you and then he couldn't hold it too long. <laughs> oh. yeah. A guy named Frank, who was close friends with these guys and John, passed away a couple years ago. But the guys really want me to talk to Frank's sister, Jennifer, who knew John really well. He was one of the sweetest, kindest people I've ever known. He was definitely just a vibrant person. Never did anything wrong. You know, he must have been an easy kid for his parents to raise because he was just sweet all the time. Um, he was not a forgettable person. He was uh, he was full of life. I guess he, he walked to the beat of a different drum, but, you know, I, I always figured we were headed the same direction. After graduation, the Delran High School class of 1986 goes out into the world. John Gilbride never looks back. In fact, he never speaks to these high school and grade school friends again, because the MOVE organization forces its members to cut off everyone outside the MOVE organization, past and present, friends and family. On the morning of September 27, 2002, the Gilbride family were told via phone that John had been shot and that he was dead. This single event destroyed 
my family aside. When John's friends got word of his murder, they were shocked. Because we knew, growing up with John, he didn't have an enemy. There was nobody would have done this to John. Nobody. Unless they had something against him. So it was devastating. It still is today. Who the hell kills a person that's that decent? Who wanted to kill John Gilbride and why? Is the MOVE organization really a cult? And can the Africas who have escaped and gone public on our podcast with allegations provide information about John's murder? Why is John's murder not solved? These questions and more is what this podcast is going to dive into with the goal of finding the truth. He was at our house when the MOVE bombing happened. Were you saying that John was writing to MOVE members in prison? Yeah. John had come to see him to tell him that he was doing something that my brother wouldn't approve of. And I think that was the point when he joined them. Whatever phobias had been induced in his training with the MOVE had come full-blown. I had heard later that he thought we were FBI or some sinister uh, legal entity. I think John was afraid of them and what they may do. John clearly said to me, you know I can get killed for this. To leave and talk to get move founder that is punishable by being cycled, which is being killed. Be sure to follow the podcast and our social media accounts for updates and bonus content. Thanks for listening. The producers wish to stress that all individuals referenced in this podcast series are presumed innocent unless or until they are proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law in the United States of America.